Welcome to this episode of Saintly Witnesses, where I talk to the Catholic behind the account. Today, I'm speaking with Thomas Salerno, who's going to come on today and share some information about his cradle Catholic upbringing and also talk about the exciting world of sci-fi and fantasy. So thank you for coming on and um, giving us this information today. Really exciting. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Oh, so some good stuff about Thomas that we should know. Uh, he's a sci-fi fantasy writer. He has his own website where he reviews um, comics and other you know, popular culture entertainment things. He's a contributor or he has contributed at Word on Fire and Voyage Comics, which is like a really cool place where um, Catholics come together and, you know, express their creativity with comics, sci-fi, and fantasy. Uh, so definitely he knows a thing or two about his craft, and I thought it would be good to get him on. Let's get started right now. <laughs> so uh, you're a cradle Catholic. Tell us about your cradle Catholic upbringing. How was it growing up? Uh, was there any things going on and how that led you to now? Yeah, so I, I grew up in a, a very devout um, family that's, you know, from an Italian-American and Irish-American background. So we we went to Mass uh, every Sunday, Holy Days. And also, um, our family really focused on prayer a lot, which was very formative experience for me. Um, my parents and myself and my younger brother would uh, gather every evening when I was growing up for uh, family prayer. And that was something that I really think helped form me in my faith and helped, you know, keep me wanting to explore my faith more as, as I grew older into a teenager and a young adult, when so many other people fall away from the faith during that time period. I think that solid foundation that my parents laid for me was, was really important. Were there um, anything that influenced you growing like later into adult life and um, maybe um, college years or anything like that? Oh yeah, absolutely. For my, uh, my senior, my, my junior and senior years of high school, I went to a, a small Catholic boarding school in Pennsylvania. I grew up in Long Island, New York, but I went to this small boarding school. It was called Gregory the Great Academy. And they really helped form us as it was an all boys school. And they really helped form us as young men in the faith. And, and I think that helped me through college to stay strong in my faith and to make, you know, good, strong uh, friendships with other Catholic young people that, and uh, even before, long before I was writing for them, I was into Bishop Barron's word on fire apostolate and just, learning about the rich tradition and history of our faith going back through, you know, two millennia of culture, you know, really helped the love for my Catholic faith just grow and flourish as I got older. That's awesome. Thank you for sharing that. Um, a lot of good stuff that I'm sure we're going to dive into uh, in a little bit. So, my next question is, you know, you've been a Catholic all your life. You've grew up in a strong, you know, Italian-American family. Um, so what would you say to somebody who, was who wants to become Catholic or is thinking about the Catholic Church? Like, what's the piece of advice that you would say um, to them? I would say probably the most important thing is that if you're discerning, don't do it alone. Find a mentor, whether it's a priest or a deacon, a nun, or even just a, a holy lay person who you see goes to mass every week or who prays the rosary, you know, find a mentor who you can talk 
through these issues with, because they'll likely either be able to answer your many questions. And if they can't answer them themselves, they might be able to direct you to either a person or a resource that can answer those questions for you. Because I know a lot of people who are discerning have a ton of questions about the faith. Yeah, that's important to have somebody you can um, have answers from and like bounce different topics off of. So that's definitely a good piece of uh, wisdom for anybody discerning the church. So let's go into, you know, the most exciting part of the conversation, which is, you know, exploring your interests with fantasy and sci-fi. <laughs> so how did your involvement with, you know, I guess you would call it geek culture originate right. and how has it grown uh, since you were introduced to it? Well, as a kid growing up in the 90s, a really formative thing for me was Batman the Animated Series, uh, starring uh, Kevin Conroy as the voice of Batman. And that show had an immense influence on me. You know, it was on after I came home from school. And for me, it was just the highlight of my day. And of course, that show spawned a bunch of spinoffs like Superman the Animated Series and Justice League that I continued to watch through the years. And that really... Um, laid the, the, the kind of seed down for my, my interest in comic books and stuff like that. And even like other shows like X-Men, the animated series as well. The 90s was a really hopping time for superhero shows. And as I got older, you know, my, my younger brother was into Star Wars and he kind of got me into that as well. And when I was about 12 or 13, I discovered a book called The Lord of the Rings. And I read that I read all three volumes from cover to cover, and that's when I knew I wanted to be a writer. And I wanted to write about science fiction and fantasy and also write in those genres myself. So I've always been, I've always been kind of a self-described geek and nerd from, you know, my early years. Yeah, the 90s, they were on fire with the, with the animated um, you know, comic material. You know, they had as you mentioned, the Batman animated series that was like super dark. They had the, the X-Men animated series, which both of those shows I love a lot. Plus they had like a whole bunch of other Marvel series like Silver Surfer and yeah. um, Hulk and Iron Man, Spider-Man. So yeah, the 90s was, was on fire with the content. Um, so in comics, um, since you talked about comics, you know, in comics, they always have or I always find elements of like Christianity in comics. And I think one good example is like in uh, X-Men, when we talk about Phoenix and like her inception and how she came about and that whole Phoenix saga, and, you know, in ancient or in antiquity, you know, the Greeks saw the Phoenix as like a symbol of rebirth and everlasting life. And so in the early church, you know, Christians made that connection to like Jesus Christ in the resurrection as a symbol of like evangelization. So how, in, in what ways have you noticed like those like teachings or elements of the Catholic faith in like your favorite TV series, comics, or like um, sci-fi fantasy show? Yeah. Like there's, there's so much we can go into. I mean, like one um, element that I've noticed across genres, whether it's comic books, sci-fi, or fantasy, is this element of self-sacrificial love in a lot of these stories, where the hero sacrifices, if not their own life, then something very important to them 
in order to bring balance to the world. Like I'm always reminded of uh, at the end of uh, the return of the King, the book, the third in the, the Lord of the Rings trilogy, Frodo tells his best friend, Sam, I left to save the Shire, Sam, and it has been saved, but not for me. He ends up going into this sort of paradise on earth, Valinor, in order to heal his wounds. And he leaves the Shire behind for others. So he lost something so that other people may keep it. And we know from Christianity that our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ came so that he may give completely and totally of himself, you know, to his last drop of blood in order to redeem us from sin. And I find that motif throughout all of our stories about heroes in throughout sci-fi and fantasy. I just, it, it's just interesting that I find this motif recurring over and over again. Um, out of curiosity, why do you think that's like a recurring, you know, motif in, in comics and, um, I think it's just because of like the 2000 years of Christian history. Like I, I forget where I heard this quote, but it was something to the effect of, you know, Jesus Christ, love him or hate him. You can't ignore him. You know, he's, he's there. That story has influenced the last 2000 years of human history. And I think a lot of these writers, whether they intend to or not, can't escape the influence that Christianity kind of has, especially on the Western psyche. Yeah, that's definitely true about the transcendent power of the resurrection and the person of Christ uh, these last 2000 years. He's had an amazing uh, influence in various different, you know, institutions and like aspects of society. So yeah, definitely true. Um, so do any of these types of like entertainment highlight larger questions about destiny, eternity, or morality? And uh, if so, could you give us some examples of um, things that you notice, like your favorite shows, comics, uh, characters, or anything like that? Oh, absolutely. Like, I think definitely the concept of redemption is prevalent, like, especially in Star Wars, you know, this theme that it's never too late to change. It's never too late to ask for forgiveness. Like you think of Star Wars, like the characters of Darth Vader or Kylo Ren, responsible for appalling atrocities, yet they end up being redeemed through an act of self-sacrificing love, whether it's Vader for his son, Luke, or it's Ben Solo, Kylo Ren, you know, for Rey at the end of The Rise of Skywalker, you know, these characters, you know, it, it, that, that idea that it's never too late to ask for forgiveness is something that I definitely see. Also the idea that, that every life matters and every life has value, you know, no matter how small or insignificant or, or, or even how wretched, you know, like you, you think of the Lord of the Rings with the Hobbit characters, everyone else in the story overlooks them because they're small and they don't have a lot of power in the world yet. Like in, in a traditional fantasy story, it would be the character like of Aragorn, who's the hero who saves the day because he's he's the king with the magic sword and leader of armies and all that stuff. But everything Aragorn does is just to buy Frodo time to destroy the ring. 
you know. And in the end, Frodo can't even do it. At the edge of the crack of doom, he fails. And it's because he spares Gollum's life earlier in the story that the ring ends up being destroyed. Gollum tries to seize it and trips and falls. So if Frodo hadn't had that act of pity on Gollum, if he hadn't thought even Gollum's life is worth something, they may not have destroyed the ring. Uh, and, a, and a third theme I see in sci-fi and fantasy that relates to our faith is that the pathway to peace, like real lasting peace, is going to be through nonviolence. Like I referenced the Lord of the Rings again, Frodo carries no weapon through his, his journey through Mordor. He's even given up his sword, Sting, and yet he defeats Sauron, carrying no weapon, where Aragorn's armies are just there as a diversion. You know, or uh, uh, a movie that I, I, I did an essay on recently was uh, Star Trek VI. And in that film, the United Federation of Planets makes peace with the Klingons, not by conquering them in a war, but by offering to help them when their planet is in danger of being destroyed by a natural disaster. So there's this idea that, yes, even though we can defend ourselves when threatened by violence, that true, lasting, enduring peace will only come about through nonviolence and loving one's enemy as we're commanded to by Jesus Christ. You find these kinds of really Christian themes just throughout all of literature, but I think especially in, in a very relatable way in sci-fi, fantasy, and comics. That's definitely true. And I think you highlighted a good example with Kylo Ren from, you know, his beginning in The Force Awakens to Rise of Skywalker, just a radical, you know, redemption. You know, he went from this cold-hearted, um, you know, super goal-oriented, dominant for power. Then by Rise of Skywalker, he's like, he gets it now. He gets that he has to be selfless and not so much, you know, focus on him, but um, he has to turn the other cheek, sort of. I was struck in the scene where he confronts the spirit of his father, Han Solo, when Han says to him, my son is alive. And I just went, that's the parable of the prodigal son. When, when the father says to the returning son, my son was dead, but he is alive again. He's lost and has been found. So like it's, these biblical and references and references to the gospel are just found throughout, you know, our popular culture. Yeah, definitely. Um, something to highlight right there in uh, the Star Wars series. So thank you for pointing that out. Um, so you mentioned like a whole bunch of characters in this conversation uh, from Lord of the Rings, Star Wars, Star Trek. You know, like in what ways can these characters help us better practice our faith? Um, yeah. I, I would point to two examples. One is Superman. Now, in a lot of Superman origin stories, Clark Kent really wrestles with how to use his natural abilities. Because remember, his abilities are not given to him by some science experiment or anything like that. He has these superpowers naturally as a native of the planet Krypton. And he struggles with how to use this extreme power that he has. And like most people would use it 
to amass power or glory or wealth or something like that. But it's because of his humble upbringing uh, with the Kents that he chooses to use these abilities to help other people, to uphold truth and justice. And I think that's important for us um, that we can't bury our talents, you know, like the, the famous parable of the talents. We shouldn't bury them. We should use these God-given abilities that we have to help other people and also to spread the gospel. Now, you, you may say, well, I'm not Superman. I can't leap tall buildings in a single bound. I don't have amazing powers. I'm not like some of the saints who could, you know, perform healings or do other miraculous things through the power of Christ, but you don't have to be. And that kind of leads to my second example, which is Sam Gamgee from the Lord of the Rings. I love Sam because he's such an everyman character. He's not particularly strong or intelligent. Like he has an ordinary job. He's a gardener. Yet as Frodo freely admits, he wouldn't have made it very far without Sam. It, it proves that even with our just living an ordinary, quiet life, we can influence the world around us in, in ways that we probably won't even know until we reach the other side, until we reach heaven and, and all this is revealed to us. So I think th those two characters in particular can really help us to, you know, live in our state in life and, and use our talents where and when we are to make the world a better place. And you just highlighted um, Lord of the Rings. And in, and in Lord of the Rings, something I've always found remarkable is the idea of, you know, this connection. And I always think about Jonathan and um, David and like this brotherly fraternal um, love that these two men shared. And when you see Sam and, and Frodo, that just immediately throws me back to like that Old Testament story in Samuel between David and Jonathan. So my last question is um, this. So you've been talking about the Catholic faith and all these other different things. Uh, who's a good saint or a saint that you admire in a life lesson um, that they have taught you along the way? Well, uh, one of my favorite saints and a saint who I'm trying to educate people more about is a uh, blessed Nicholas Steno. And he was a geologist and a paleontologist in the 1600s, as well uh, as a Catholic bishop. Now, he didn't start out that way. He was actually born and raised a Lutheran. And even though I'm a cradle Catholic, I really connected to his conversion story, because I think it has a lot to teach us about listening for the voice of the Holy Spirit, even in the mundane and the ordinary. Because Steno was, he was from Denmark, but he moved to Italy to practice uh, medicine and also his geological science. And he met a lot of Catholics there. And he started to research the Catholic faith. He actually went back and read the scriptures in their original Greek and Hebrew and after all this learning, he still couldn't decide whether to remain a Lutheran or convert to the Catholic faith. So one night he's out walking over to a friend's house to discuss it. And as he's thinking, he's thinking to himself, should I go the one way and remain Lutheran or should I go the other way and convert to Catholicism? And as he's about to turn down a side road, a neighbor calls to him from a window and says, 
don't go the way you were going to go. Turn the other way. Because Nicholas Steno was about to make a wrong turn. And he had just basically decided to himself, I'm going to go the one way and remain Lutheran. But because of what that neighbor said, he took that as a sign from the Holy Spirit. No, I should turn the other way and convert to Catholicism. And he eventually did and and became a, a very holy bishop. And that story just always struck me that like the Holy Spirit, like we don't all get like some of the saints locutions where the Holy Spirit speaks to us, you know, in an audible voice. We often have to look for his voice just in, in the world around us, you know, in these, these mundane aspects. And uh, that always struck me about his conversion story as an important lesson for all of us, really. Yeah, you just highlighted something I want to close with regarding, you know, looking for the Holy Spirit and the seeds of the gospel in just the ordinary, you know, aspects of our life. And so through this whole conversation, I think that something that you highlighted very well, specifically like with the connections of the gospel and theology within like science fiction and fantasy uh, literature. Um, Like just because like these things don't necessarily have a, a explicit, you know, Christian, you know, message, like when you look deep within and you find the seeds of the gospel, that are clearly evident within these things, um, like the connection just becomes more alive. And I can remember I wrote an essay last summer on X-Men, God God Loves, Man Kills, the graphic novel. And I just explored, you know, how um, the seeds of the gospel within that graphic novel are just clearly evident on like many different factors, such as like overcoming fear with love, the rise of populism across our current world and how we can combat these dictators basically with um, true Christ-like charity and religion that he practiced. And so again, you know, just recognizing the seeds of the gospel within, you know, comics, science fiction and fantasy is something that um, I think more Catholics should, you know, definitely be aware of. For, for those of us who, who are part of, you know, this geek culture, this nerd culture, who are practicing Christians, like, take another look at some of your comic books. And I think you'll be surprised to find some of those seeds of the gospel that that you talk about that that are there. And like, um, or even in things like, like science fiction movies, like I recently wrote an essay on the 1953 classic War of the Worlds, and how such a deeply Christian movie, that film, and like you you can find these seeds of the word in our popular culture and i i think that should give us hope because we see the culture today becoming highly secularized and even you know indifferent or even in a lot of cases hostile to the catholic faith and, and to christianity in general but i think those seeds of the word are still there and, and that should give us hope that that God will allow those seeds to one day bear fruit, as he says, you know, 30, 60 and 100 fold. I think we need to always be aware of, um, you know, looking for the Holy Spirit and the seeds of the gospel within any medium, whether it be entertainment, music, art, um, look for the gospel within. Um, and you will definitely find it with open art, with open eyes and open heart. Um, so, yeah. So that's going to conclude this interview. Um with Thomas. I definitely appreciated talking and exploring this information and um, pray that his work continues to exceed and grow abundantly with his ministry that he, um, you know, undergoes. 
with reviewing and as a freelance writer. So uh, you guys can tune into the next episode of uh, Saintly Witnesses, where we talk to the Catholic behind the account. <laughs>